0: Hello and welcome to Judge Cast. Coming to you from Sacramento, California, in Great Escape Games. This is Sean Catanese, level two. And Ricky
1: Hayashi, I just had a
0: massage. So you're a little slow on the uptake. All yes. right, I understand. You're forgiven. My brain is addled with comfort. Well, let's discomfort it somewhat then. Okay, sure. We've got tons of rules questions from a lot of listeners. That doesn't sound fun. And we've got to kind of clear up a couple things from past episodes also. Actually, let's just jump right into the questions. Does that sound okay with you? Okay, good. Okay. Give me some time to get my feet under me. Right, right. Just knock you off. Actually, we'll, we'll start with some of the easier ones here. Fire away. Okay. Mike D. from Chicago sent us this. I'm emailing primarily to address a question that has popped up more than once for me involving Ristic Study. My contention is that if player A controls a Ristic Study and player B, an opponent, casts a spell and neglects to pay for the Ristic Study cost, that player A can draw a card. Now the counter argument is that player A has to declare that Ristic Study triggers has gone on the stack and allow player B to pay the cost if player B wants to. I believe that the trigger hits the stack no matter what, since it's a triggered ability. And since A draws his card when B fails to pay, the trigger isn't a missed trigger. Any insight would be much appreciated. Well,
1: That's not easy at all, Sean. You lied to me.
0: Well, we deal with it in a pretty easy way in casual games. Well, clearly Mike D. from Chicago plays EDH, because this is a EDH all-star. And and maybe that's actually where this comes up is because you know casually speaking, if you just miss that ristic study, you forget to pay the one when you're playing a spell, and you actually forget to do it. They say, "Ah, I caught you!" You know, you get to, I get to draw a card now.
1: Well, in EDH, most people will just tell you, "I'm not paying. Draw right. your damn
0: card." Right. Sure, but if if you're actually legitimately forget about the ristic study, then in EDH, you know now that people are starting to play it in a little bit more competitive way. Maybe yeah, this person's getting let's into not it. do that. Oh, right, right. Well <laughs> somewhere so, Sheldon is rolling in his not grave. Right. He's not happy, I can imagine. But but really, rhystic study in a more competitive environment, a more cut through environment where, you know, people missing triggers, matters back and forth, that that sort of thing. How do we deal with this? Say it was a competitive REL event. A you know? competitive REL EDH tournament. <laughs> well, not EDH, but anything where Ristic Study is legal. Oh. You know, and we just so, had a giant. So, so, so legacy. Someone, someone is playing with Ristic Study in Legacy. I'm, you know, I, I would be okay. I wouldn't be willing to bet, but maybe there was Out one president the, at, at GP Madrid. 22-27 players. Yeah. Maybe there Do you was. Think there was one
1: Ristic Study maybe, in that field. Maybe in Madrid somewhere Some there was a weird study. enchantress deck. Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. No, I doubt it. Well, yeah, work with me here.
0: All right. right, so it's being
1: played in competitive REL.
0: Sure. So then if we go on to, say, the player that has it knows that it's there and is planning on drawing this card but doesn't want to give player B that opportunity, that reminder to say, oh, well, did you pay the one? Is it cool to just say, well, you forgot, I'll draw now? Or do they actually need to say, okay, you played your spell. This trigger went on the stack before that spell resolved. This trigger resolved before that spell re- resolved. I drew my card, or you paid your one, and then your spell that you played that triggered Ristic Study resolves. Because mm-hmm. that's well, the proper. What do you say, rule. Sean? You know, I think this is a good reason to keep Ristic Study out of competitive magic. <laughs> That's, you know, maybe, maybe the right, way, right answer to this question is just to say, yeah, you need to be reminding your opponent of it because you're putting the trigger on the stack and you're both passing priority and that triggers resolving. And all this happens before the spell that your opponent played resolves. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, you can do some sort of out-of-order of sequencing to kind of mess with that. Well, the key that, is that the player could draw a counterspell mm-hmm. off the Rhystic Steady and
1: counter oh, yeah. spell. Yeah, definitely. Sure. So what do you think? Well, I know we just talked about it before we recorded this mm-hmm. and we came to an agreement. Mm-hmm. We were wrong because <laughs> I, I dug a little deeper into the uh, infraction procedure. Guide. Tell me more. Um, so we thought it was a default action thing, right, mm-hmm. where it says unless. So in that case, the IPG says that you assume that the, uh, the default action happens, which is the player may draw a card. Because the unless didn't happen in that case. Uh, That's not going to quite work because it specifies that uh, the default action associated with the choice made by the controller of the trigger. Ah, the controller's not choosing whether or not they pay one. Right. So that doesn't work here. So we have to treat it like any other trigger. And we have to give the player the option of paying one. Okay.
0: Well, that's going to change some EDH games, I think.
1: I don't think EDH games should work that way.
0: Yeah. Well, there's not enough time to be like pay one, pay one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hopefully people will either stop running Ristic Study in their deck and just play something like Mind's Eye. You know, that's you can play that in a non-blue EDH deck. Just play a zombie as your general. You draw plenty of cards. There you go. Or, or uh, what's that other guy? The uh, three-four, the legendary one, tapping to draw a few cards. What? Oh. Three, four, what? From Onslaught. You lost me. From Onslaught. From Onslaught. The Blue general. Arcanus. Arcanus the Omnipotent. That's right. Inari, Too slow. Well, Summoning Sickness. <laughs> well, and Inariu actually was using that when he missed his Pact trigger. Oh, okay. He wanted us to know because he, he brought that up the other day. Actually, saying, the new hotness in Mono Blue decks is the, uh, the Merfolk, the Thada
1: Adele. Thada Adele. I have a foil one of those. Pretty, so pretty cool. Yeah. But being able to take, you know, your opponent's soul ring and then whatever else, uh-huh. it just gets really oh, lots of fast. fun. Lots of fun. Spreading seeds is an out in EDH. I, okay. I think I need to go and put my um, my lizard guy back in my green decks.
0: The uh, you get you get brooding sorry yes yes you get all of your stuff back guy. Mm, not a bad idea. So on to the next question. Then I hope it's easier. Um, it is, and we've talked from time to time about different uh, writings and different articles on a whole bunch of different sites. Uh-huh. And this is actually a question about um, a remark that was made in one of the columns on Channel Fireball. Never heard of it. That Yeah, where's that place? I, I don't... Yeah. <laughs> Move along. So in Jonathan Locke's article, there's an editorial... Ooh. Jonathan Locke's. Okay. There's an editorial remark... That is at odds with the author's actions and beliefs. So the, the editor's note says, To clarify, scapeshift and Vesuva don't interact quite as favorably as it may appear. For Vesuva to count as Valakut, or a mountain, or even Cisuri Step, the land you want to copy has to be in play before the scapeshift, since Vesuva evaluates the board before it enters play, and therefore cannot copy another land you're getting with scapeshift. Note that you can also not copy a land that you sacrificed to scapeshift. And the, the quote from the article was The most common scapeshift I made was three flagstones, Sajiri steps, and a Vesuva to copy the step. Right. So I, I do
1: know what Channel Fireball is, and I do know who John Locks is, obviously. Mm-hmm. Totally. Um, little backstory here I'm actually the one who caught this. <laughs> I'm reading his article almost, you know, very close after 9 o'clock when it went up Pacific Mm -hmm. Time. And I see this and I'm like, whoa, that's not how it works. And I quickly aimed Luis and I think we got it fixed, you know, with the editorial comment in less than an hour. So only a couple of people saw, you know, the the wrong version. Uh, the The deck is a zoo deck, basically, a landfall zoo deck with step links and... Plated geopede, right? Mm-hmm. And then it has also has Scapeshift, either to combo out, you know, the Balicot kill or, the, or just get a bunch of flagstones.
0: Well, and also I can imagine four lands coming into play off of a GeoPed yeah. or a Lynx is pretty freaking awesome but too. I, I think you
1: can do like the full 20 if you get a bunch of flagstones. Mm-hmm. And then those, you know, legend kill each other, and then you get some more planes. <clears throat> uh you know, I don't want to count, but I'm sure it's over 20. Yeah, if you have the right guys. Sure. Um, so what he's the play that John describes is he scape shifts and gets all his flagstones and also gets um, Sigiri step. You know when it enters the battlefield, target creature gains protection from a color. So to get his guy through any potential blockers, mm-hmm. and he also says he gets a Vesuva and copies the step and gives another guy protection or the same guy protection from a second color. Right doesn't work that way. doesn't work. And a lot of people are confused by this, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. And even at, with the editorial comment, people are like, really? Like,
0: I don't understand why. So right. tell us why, Sean. Well, when something says that it's going to come into play as a copy of something else, just before it comes into play, it needs to say, well, what can I copy? What's the universe of possibilities? Mm-hmm. And that universe of possibilities is usually what's on the battlefield. Right. So... For instance, if I wanted to play a Vesuvian Shapeshifter. Just use Vesuva. Okay, let's just use Vesuva. That's, that's all we're talking okay. about here. Well, if I'm playing Vesuva simply from my hand, right. I need to pick a land that's in play right before Vesuva hits the battlefield. Yep. I need to pick one of those, and it'll become that. Well, if I'm shifting, all these other lands are coming into play at the same time. Yeah, it's completely simultaneous. Right. They're, they're not. They're all beforehand. waiting in that enter the battlefield queue, right? And they all come in at the same time, and they're not. You know, they're not lined up in a certain order. They all come in together. Yeah, and so nothing Which is valid. kit works right, and so that way, nothing is in play at the same time that every, anything else is in right. play. Um, so the so so, the key is the as as it right. enters the battlefield, right. Uh,
1: is a replacement effect that modifies how it enters the battlefield, which is a completely different timing from Balakit, which says when a mm-hmm. mountain enters the battlefield if you control five other mountains. Right. So the when is a triggered ability. Mm-hmm. It happens basically after the land enters the battlefield and evaluates what's out there at As, that moment. So at that point, so there are a bunch of other mountains, and it says, ha-ha, bolt you.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that, that answers that question, I think, pretty succinctly. And it's interesting that you had the inside track on there, being the person who wrote that editorial comment. Well, I didn't, well, I didn't write the comment. Oh, okay. I just... Oh, okay. You mentioned it to Louise, yeah. I was going to say, I didn't know that you were editing Channel Fireball articles again. No. But uh, it sounds, sounds like you're not. Okay. No. Z-
1: Zayn is still on top of that. Good. Good. And I pronounced his, his name correctly. Zayn. He, he said he used some other podcasts have mentioned it, his name and have got it wrong.
0: Okay. Well, so
1: they called him like Zayim and stuff uh-huh. like that. Yeah. And I well. said, well, your name is Zayim, right? Well, we were typing to each other, but I was like, rhymes with lame? And he's like, yes, exactly. <laughs> so all people out there, Zayim beg, if you need to remember, rhymes with lame. I'm sure he'd love to hear that. Well, it's it's actually approved by him. He said okay. he, he sometimes mentions that to people when he introduces himself. Fantastic. So he's, you know, self-deprecation. He's cool with it. He's a great guy. Yeah. Okay, well, that sounds like we've resolved that question. Well, I have another scapeshift thing
0: for you. Uh-oh. This Detour. is a, okay. an interesting discussion that came up on IRC. IRC, for those of you who are not familiar, is the internet relay chat that a whole bunch of judges get on. Uh, you can access it at efnet.org. Uh, it's a totally free service. There's a couple channels on there. One is pound judge. The other one is pound MTG rules. Yes. Um, and that's basically places where the judges hang out and converse worldwide. And also where people like Eli Schiffrin are answering questions um, basically around the clock in the MTG rules den. Yes. Pound
1: MTG rules. I think there's going to be some kind of announcement on the, the mothership site about it as hope, well. Yeah. And it's going to be advertised. It's, yeah, 24-7.
0: You can have a judge answer your rules question. Mm-hmm. cuz we are worldwide. Yeah. So, I mean, they might be answering it in French, but they'll be answering it. No, no, no. It's it's all English. Okay. Um so we have, you know, in the
1: M- the MTG judge chat room is where we have more long discussions about things right. that aren't just, you know, how does this card work? It's philosophy, policy, yeah. that sort of thing. And this question about scapeshift came came up. What happens if a player casts scapeshift, the spell resolves, they sacrifice no lands and begin searching through their library and pull out, you know, a balakid and six mountains? And the opponent says, judge calls you over, Sean, says,
0: you know, he didn't sacrifice any lands. Well, that's a little strange. Why are you searching your library? <laughs> <laughs> that would be my first question to the player. Uh-huh. What's that player's answer in this scenario? Well, I was, you know, of course I'm going to sacrifice my lands. Okay, you need to perform the actions in the order that they're written on the card. Okay. So, perform them in that order first. Sounds like you've moved on to searching your library for zero lands here. So, continue finding zero lands shuffle and continue so that's what a lot of us kind of initially thought is it's no no don't get me wrong here though does scapeshift have an if you do clause or does it not i i don't know okay well <laughs> i'm gonna look it up while you continue talking so a
1: lot of us myself included were on this uh search for zero right thing like well you know he he did it wrong and did not clearly sacrifice any land, so now he's searching for zero. And the the discussion evolved and it reached the point where
0: you have to evaluate why the player is doing something. Right. And my, it, my feeling on this is that the player in a ship deck, you have only so many mountains. And mm-hmm. the player may have played ship not knowing how many mountains are left in the deck. And then thought, well, if I can't get to that, then I'll get to some other number of other lands that's suitable for the other stuff in my hand. But if I can go for the kill with Valakut, I will. And that changes the number of lands that they sacrifice to Scapeshift. Well, that sounds to me like they're doing it out of order with the intention to gain an advantage. Well, that, yeah, that sounds just like cheating. Right. And I, I would, I, I know I jumped but, really quickly there over, you know, we always talk about look for intention first, and don't always just guess that, okay, well, we'll investigate for cheating, etc. It gets kind of boring to say that all the time, but... But uh, uh, the situation as described and discussed
1: was was very similar to what you said, is that it's out of order. He, you know, didn't sacrifice his lands, but quickly just got his seven lands and was sure. going to sacrifice the ones on the battlefield. Yeah. So, wh- wherever, whatever point you interrupt this player searching, like, and say, well, you didn't sacrifice anything. Mm-hmm. His answer is still, oh, well, I just, you know, I was going to get to that or whatever, right? So he 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 thinks
0: it's kind of like an out of order sequence, but it's not quite right. Right, it's out of order sequencing, but it's n- both players are not agreeing on the sequence, and it's not, quite, not and
1: it's not quite, you know, the old style ruling by intent. Right, not at but all. you want to investigate these situations, to talk to the player, and find out. Oh, there's basically two- what
0: what did you think you were doing? Right, because there's a lot of potential for abuse here. Right, definitely, I, I I can see, especially in a deck that has a couple different ways to go off with with either Valakut or some other method. You know, it, doing that that way just seems like a very shady thing. But the discussion reached the point
1: is, and it was directed by Toby Elliot. Mm-hmm. That just just ask the player and find out what they thought they were doing. Okay. And if they thought that they were, you know, doing a typical escape ship allocate thing and you know forgot to mention how many lands you was sacrificing or, you know, is planning on doing it after he searches or whatever, just point out, hey, like that's not how it works. You have to do this first. Okay. Okay. Well, that sounds like a reasonable solution.
0: Okay, just a yeah just a tangent on scapeshift that I thought was interesting, okay, well, you certainly are familiar with the card as it's something that you've been playing and extended for a bit now, and I am
1: familiar with uh, sacrificing a bunch of lands and not finding enough mountains too, <laughs> that's
0: right, and going, uh, go, <laughs> so I take no damage, yeah yes, you, you've, you've been on the receiving end of that line also yeah, the, am I dead uh no <laughs> oops. Okay, well, this is the uh, next okay, question. next here. question. Uh, his name is Dan, and he's uh, one of our listeners from Mana Nation. Mm. Yeah. He says, I've got a deck which resolves around Mana Maze. Now, Mana Maze, for those of you who are trying to look it up, it reads, players can't play spells that share a color with the spell last played this turn. It's an enchantment back from uh, the Exodus long, long ago. No, I want to say it's Invasion Block. Oh, you're right. It's, it's plane shift. It's plane shift. You're right. Right. So, I drop this wonderful card early on. <laughs> wonderful. That's okay. what he says. <laughs> and then get a Vodalian Mystic into play. Then Vodalian Mystic is the one one that taps oh, to yeah, say yeah. change the target, change the color of target sorcery or instant to the color of your choice. It's I thought it could change the color of anything. I think probably, so, probably yeah, a bunch of stuff. I- like this card was really good in Invasion Block, draft. right? Where color matters. So, so he's got this Bodelian Mystic into play, and then he proceeds to play random instants um, at the beginning of his opponent's turn, and then change them to the color that his opponent is playing. Uh huh. And the idea is that if his opponent's playing a monocolored deck, that he can't play anything else once he's played the spell and changed it to black. If you're playing mono black deck. So Okay, Dan is is clearly um a high level Johnny. Right. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun to, to you know <laughs> to run through there's... these hoops and Right. And whereas a Spike should... would just
1: play a scepter chant or something like that.
0: Yeah, that's no fun. Yeah. No. But this is more creative. It is. It's very creative. Um it's Does also... it work? No, it doesn't work. Oh damn. Yeah. Sorry. Um, now the, the Why reason, doesn't it work, Sean? Well, the reason is that Mana Maze cares about the color of the spell when it was announced and put on the stack. That's when it was played. Or cast. Or cast, I'm sorry. Or cast. <laughs> See, I've been good about the battlefield. Oh, battlefield group. and cast, you know, eh, give me another
1: five or six years. And, <laughs> it. and by then we'll have M2017
0: and they'll sure. the rules again. Right, right. Damage will use the stack again. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, so the maze only cares about... The last spell that was cast. Right, and, and as it was cast. It yeah. doesn't say, well, that, that spell was cast, and then we want to look at what it resolved as or anything like that. Just when you left your hand and went onto the stack, what color was it? And so this combo here is what some people who write about combos call a non-bow. Yeah. Uh, it's not going to work that way. Um, I mean, it's similar
1: to... The reason I became a judge mm-hmm. is uh, at a PTQ, I got a wrong ruling on something. I peeled it and got the correct ruling. But the, the wrong ruling I got was it was Wirewood Savage, hmm. the Onslaught Elf, um, 2-2. Uh, whenever a beast enters the battlefield or comes into play back then, mm-hmm. under your control, draw a card. And somebody was bringing things in and changing their creature type? So yeah, so I, I had that out and then I, I played a beast Mm-hmm. Said I'm going to draw my card. Says hold on, I'm going to use my uh, Image Crafter change creature types uh-huh. guy, to turn your beast into a wizard, and then call the judge. And the first judge on the scene said, "Yeah, it's a wizard now. You don't draw a card." I said no, 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 no. Like all it cares about it is when I entered when uh, with it came the triggering play. condition. Yeah, yeah. And so I appealed, and so it's a similar thing, right? Right.
0: Now there, are, the way that I think we can get Dan's Manamaze deck to work, though. Okay is Painter's Servant. Sure, because that changes everything. Right. Like, it changes the color. It's cast as that color. Right. It's, it, in your hand, it's that color, and on the stack, it's that color, and as it was getting onto the stack, it was that color. So, for instance, if Dan says, ooh, painter Servant naming, well, he can name whatever color he wants with that. Say he names blue. Well, all of his opponent's spells are going to be blue, and all of his spells are going to be blue. So... It's kind of like that, that um, part of Family Feud where the first person to hit the button wins. You
1: know? <laughs> oh, <what?
0: laughs> At the beginning of every turn. Oh my goodness, where did that come turn, from? <laughs> the beginning of every turn is just like that, where both players are like, oh, okay, I don't have an instant in your upkeep. Do you have an instant? Okay, oh. Right. You know? And that's the only spell that can get played sure. for the whole turn. because, But the active player has first. Right, maybe. the active player has priority. So on his opponent's upkeep, Dan needs to say, well you know if you want to play something you can but then i want to play something yeah. too and so and that survey says uh, uh, right and that's an interesting madamise is an interesting card in that it also with painter servant it's going to give all of the cards effectively like not split second per se but they can't really be countered by other spells because once they've played yeah. that spell you can't counter it also because you can't play the counter spell okay so it's a really interesting interaction. I think painter servant is probably the direction that I take take Dan's deck in here. To, to now we're doing
1: deck techs. Not really,
0: not <laughs> really. We want to. This is the rules question, um, and also the similar sort of thing with your beast and wizard situation um, with your wirewood guy, savage wirewood. Savage. I had three of them in a the sealed deck PTQ. I surprised you remember that this long ago, but I, it was a formative formative experience for your judging. So I can understand that too. Um, the way that somebody would get around that is something with like conspiracy, because then all the creatures would be that nah. type. Of, you know, that card's
1: the different. answer to everything, isn't it? Well, any creature type thing.
0: Just use conspiracy. Well, that's how I cast my Jawari shapeshifters to copy right. allies of any kind I want. That's <laughs> right. So, well, then that's that's our answer for you there. Yes. Get painter servant. Right. And then also get Iona. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's just no fun. So there's one other another question we got here. Um, this one comes in – actually, you know what? I don't have the name of this person here. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I screwed up there. I, I didn't catch his name. Well, Nameless person. Nameless person. Um, let's see. I was recently at our local store's game day event, and there were some questions regarding the top eight rules. I know the top eight rounds are not timed, so how does it work when a player is not at the table when the round starts? Does a 10-minute game loss and 5-minute match loss rule still apply? We don't have an official judge at our store. Uh, it's more like the person who sort of runs the brackets and runs organizes the event who also passes some judgments on procedure. Well, there are a few things here. Where do you want to start? where the heck is this top eight player? I don't know. I don't know. It sounds like, you know, game days are, they used to be run at competitive REL. I think they're being run at regular REL these days. Um, and really any store, any brick and mortar store can run a game day. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's one of the few events that you get to a regular REL and you're going to cut to a top eight. I think, you know, some FNLs okay. cut to top eight, but it's pretty infrequent, I think. Um, and this way here, they have, you know, an interesting situation. Um, and, well, first off, a Dan, a, this person here has a 10-minute game loss and 5-minute match loss rule is what they mentioned there. What? And I think what they're talking about is really 10 minutes for the game and 5 more minutes for the match. Uh-huh. Um, and that's kind of an awkward – so that's a 10-15 rule is what we we would shorthand that as for judges here. Um, oftentimes when our PTQs, we run a zero-minutes for your game loss mm-hmm. and 10 minutes for your match loss. Right. And at regular REL events, sometimes PTQs, depending on how crowded they are, will go to a three minutes for a game loss and 10 minutes for a match loss. Uh, but it's really a TO question um, or a head judge question because there, there's some flexibility there. The 10 minutes for a match loss, though, is pretty solid. Well, it's let's get things straight. It's not a match loss. Because it's not,
1: tardiness is not upgraded. Right, it's a second game loss. Well, some circumstances, perhaps. Sure. But yeah, it's a second game loss that effectively ends the match. Right.
0: Okay. Well, so that's the, the timing issue there. But now when we're talking about an untimed top eight round, how do you, how you, do you can work with that? You can still be tardy. Okay. That makes sense to me.
1: I mean, what if the player never shows up? Mm-hmm. Well, then that, that his opponent is just in limbo forever. <laughs> yeah. The whole <laughs> tournament's in limbo. Right. Come back next week. See if we can play this top eight. And see if we can find him and bring him in. Yeah. But, but there's also a customer service angle here where for a top eight, as a judge, I would make every effort uh, to find the, the player. Absolutely. Yeah. And to, to start the top eight on an equal footing. Hmm. And, you know, it's within reason, but... We we've had times I think in like a PTQ or something where we try to gather the top eight together to start, and one guy's missing. Right. And we don't just start there and say, okay, that guy's gonna be tardy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We say, well, where is he? You know, a couple of his friends might be hanging out. Oh, Somebody he went to Taco Bell or he's outside smoking.
0: Mm-hmm. Smoking's smoking. bad, kids.
1: Yes, but that's one of the reasons where that people might be tardy, which is why it's also bad.
0: Sure. Okay. Well, I think we've we've kind of beat that one to death here. Um, but yeah, I'm glad some people are getting some experience with the top eight and, and got cut to top eight and that sort of thing with our uh, regular. Well, let's REL let's
1: clarify it. The regular REL, mm-hmm. the first tardiness infraction is just a warning, right? Yeah. So, so if that's... they're not in their seat by whatever the agreed upon time is, sure. then you, they, they are assessed a warning. If they show up between then and 10 minutes, then it's just a warning, and you give the match a time extension if mm. you know it's a timed round, and then you proceed. Right. If they reach the 10 minutes, then it's just the two game losses are applied. Right. The match is over.
0: Okay. Well, that answers that person's question, and I'm sorry I forgot your name. So uh, here we have a fellow judge um, calling us out, actually, on a couple of our mistakes. Didn't we have a couple of fellow judges calling us out this week? That's true. It's true. We we did have a couple minor screw-ups, and we want to clarify them a little bit here because uh, really we want to make sure that all the information that we're giving you guys is as clean as it can be and that you don't go into an event misinformed. Now, the other side of this is that because it's just me and Ricky in the room and we're answering these questions as we are talking, uh, we don't necessarily always have the full information right in front of us. So – um, other judges that are writing articles and such, you know, they can get proofreaders and they can have people review those articles before they go up. We're not going to write a whole script here and have another judge review it and then go back and forth. You know, we've got each other to check on our knowledge and the rules that it's, we're It's calling. difficult. Yeah. I
1: fully admit that this is uh, much harder than I thought it would be. <laughs> Sure, um, and we sure. have we have made a couple of mistakes, and we appreciate that there are people out there listening and Absolutely. correcting our mistakes. That said, most don't we, don't be too nitpicky though, please, because I was right. listening actually to Monday Night Magic uh, on my oh, run earlier this week, yeah. and there was like four or five mistakes in there.
0: Well, and and, and they don't really matter, so it's not like I'm going to write and be like, you guys screwed up on this. Well, at the same time, you know, th- that's one of the reasons that I wanted to start this podcast was because. In the audio format, you get a, a lot of people can you know read articles all day. Um, some people don't have that opportunity to read a lot of articles, mm-hmm. but they get some of their other magic content through other means, like this audio cast. Um, in that, we should give them the opportunity to, to get solid rules knowledge, and yes. really, that's that's what we're hoping to come across with here. Occasionally, we'll get something slightly off, and we want to go back and correct that when that happens. Yeah. So, and it's and
1: it's hard to get the corrections out in a timely fashion too, because if it's an article there'll be like a forum or a thread a response right. thread and you can look and someone might say, Hey, this is wrong. And the author might respond and say, yeah, you're right. Thanks. Sure. Sure. Um, you know, this it's, it's harder to do that because you download it and listen to it while you're running or on your way to work. Mm-hmm. And Oh, that was wrong. Like, where do I go to find out if they know about this? Sure.
0: So, um, nonetheless, if you have nitpicks, by all means, send them our way. Judgecast at gmail.com. Now the, couple that I wanted to talk about here. Our first one, we talked about Who, catching. Who is this from? Well, this is from Dan Lynch. He's from Ontario, Canada. Okay, uh, He's a level one judge up there. And so he's he's showing up to the L2 and the L3 here by, by catching this for us. But that's great. Great for him. Absolutely. Shows some initiative. So we have, um, in the couple past episodes, uh, it looks like episode four and also episode five, we mentioned the concept of catching something within a turn cycle Mm -hmm. and how we would back up to that point and then put, you know, put the fix into place at that point. Um, And I think that I can't remember the specific context of it, um, but it was probably when we were talking about the, the Greek DQ at the pro tour in San Diego, where somebody wanted to, if they drew their card, then it would be too far to back up mm-hmm. past the game rules violation where oh, somebody okay. played something. And we said turn cycle. We had mentioned the concept of a turn cycle, and really, that's not at all true for a game rule violation. You don't necessarily back up a turn cycle. Um, you could conceivably back up, you know, two or there, three. There's turn cycles. no it's sense. Not, yeah, it's it's not. It, the decision on whether or not to back up is the head judge's discretion. Yeah. It's is this going to be too complex a uh, setup, and are we going to screw something else up? Are too many cards changing zones? Is there a lot going on here, or is it simply that we have to move a couple things around and put a card at random on top of the library, and then we're set? You know, if it's just a couple little things, then you know. Okay. I mean, to use a very extreme example, if you have two Platinum Angel players mm-hmm. facing
1: off, and their libraries are empty, and they're like, "Oh, we messed this thing up twenty turns ago." You could technically back that up, because <laughs> nothing has happened. Right. Like, their libraries were empty for 30 turns, and sure. they've just been staring at each other for,
0: you know, I don't know why. But yeah, um, I don't know what they could have screwed up either, but um, <laughs> yes, technically it, it is possible to, to But if it was a missed trigger, like, oh, we forgot this trigger 20 turns ago. Right. Mistriggers triggers, only one yeah. turn cycle. So that's... That's the the difference between the two, and uh, hopefully, as you're you're looking yeah, at these. game rule violation,
1: backup is
0: head judge discretion, and mm-hmm.
1: you just kind of have to go based on if you think it's easy right. enough to back up, and, and, and it's not
0: disruptive to the game, right? And and oftentimes we won't back up at all. Sure, I mean that's that the the don't back up at all is usually the default, and then in an exceptional sort of circumstance, we'll back it up a certain amount. Yeah, that's that's kind of how I look at it is that. You know, backups are are for GRVs are exceptional. Um, and with missed triggers, we don't really back up the game state at all. We just put that trigger on the stack yes. wherever we're going. So uh, these are two very different fixes, and we wanted to clarify the difference between them. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, Dan. Right. Um, and then another one that was brought up um, actually by Pete Jan in mm-hmm. his Yawgmoth's Whimsy column um, over at Star City Games... Um, he brought it up, uh, I I think it was a recent column that he brought it up in, uh, but we had kind of screwed up the, uh, well not screwed it up, we just kind of misstated how missing a packed trigger works and how, I think my line in there was saying that you could lose the same game twice. And that's not really true. You wouldn't say if you did, if you missed your third missed trigger of the tournament. Mm Mm-hmm. And game one, and it happened to be a packed trigger, you don't get two game losses for that. The game loss for the right. third missed trigger applies to that game. And because I think we also said in that article or that that episode that the IPG is faster than the game rules. That we wouldn't go back and say, well, now that the game's over, you also lost the game. Yeah,
1: I think both Pete and Ingrid, mm-hmm. uh, they are husband and wife. right being level two and Inger, Ingrid being level four from Madison, Wisconsin. Right. Again, the mecca of American judging. Uh, they both emailed us. I don't know if they discussed this beforehand or were listening together, but yeah, we we kind of botched that one. Like we had the right idea,
0: we knew what was going on, but I think we said it wrong. Yeah, I think I think the idea of you losing the same game twice—that's not true. You're, yeah. you're only losing one game there. It's like you wouldn't
1: say like if someone shot you and someone else stabbed you, you're not dying twice. Like one of right. them is killing you. Right. We
0: right. don't
1: know which one really, but right. in this case, we do. Like you
0: said, the uh, the IPG works faster. Yeah. The IPG faster comes in they... the speed of triggers. Wow, that's pretty fast. <laughs> okay. Well, those are the two that I wanted to clarify So yeah, year.
1: you'll the game loss applies, and you don't also lose the game for the pay- failure to pay the pact
0: in that right. situation. Okay, well, those are actually all the questions that we have now. Did we have anything else that you've heard from our listeners, or anything else you've well, heard in, in one about? of the forums
1: in response, there was a question about, you know, we we had talked about the whole idea of um, concessions, right? Mm-hmm. The David Achill article, and right?
0: Uh, other other, yeah, bribery versus concession versus,
1: and then we had talked about the, the community and. Uh, you do favors for each other, right? You scoop your friend in top eight or whatever. And I, uh, compared it to helping, helping your friend move. Sure. I just wanted to mention that and say, I did see the, the, uh, the person's message Mm -hmm. and we're not going to talk about it today because I think it's a long subject. Yeah. We want to address it fully. Mm -hmm. And I think in fact, we want to try to maybe get a guest on. Oh, who do you have in mind? I was hoping we could get uh, Luis Scott Vargas himself. Because he's someone who's very familiar with both judging and the pro player community. Okay, well I think, uh, I think we can probably find Luis. He he lives around here, I hear. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. that's coming in a
0: future episode. Okay. So stay Special tuned. Special guest that. star, Luis Scott Vargas. And I'm sure I'll just sneak that interview in there. You know, it's not going to be in the show notes or it's not going to be in <laughs> the name of the episode or anything. It'll just be, you know, you'll be listening to the episode and all of a sudden Luis's voice will be on there and you'll be like, wow, that was cool. But no, it'll be completely by surprise. So. It'll okay. probably surprise me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, what else did you want to talk about, Ricky? I have no idea. No idea? Oh, come on. You're going to Indianapolis this weekend, right? Right. Okay. Isn't that going to be awesome? I mean, I know Indianapolis is... So, yeah, there's the Star City Games Open Series. Right, the 10K Coming to Indianapolis. 10K weekend. That's going to be pretty awesome. And I am playing in a PTQ this weekend. Right. That's going to be a lot of fun. Um, So, I I guess we could talk about that and... Why am why I going to Indianapolis? Yeah, well, I mean, why on earth would anyone want to go to Indianapolis? That's my question. Well, let's not okay. disparage other communities. Right. I'm says, sure says it's a fine town. Who, says the guy who's insulted half of Europe and all sorts when of things. When did other, I insult <laughs> half of Europe? <laughs> well, you keep misidentifying people's names and oh, countries
1: okay. of origin. Well, speaking of mispronouncing names, the, the head judge of the standard portion
0: on Saturday is someone very familiar to us, George... M <laughs> Mikologianakis. thank you from Mikologianakis. So, so yeah
1: it's kind of weird that i saw him in san diego and i'm going to see him in indianapolis and we haven't seen him
0: judge locally in like a year he's right. been very busy with school right the, the places that you see him are 600 miles from home even though he lives only 50 miles or right. 100 exactly. miles from here
1: yeah but it'll be it'll be good to uh, to see him again and um, max nolan that's how I'm going to pronounce it. Okay. From Vancouver, British Columbia. We'll be there. Mm-hmm. And we, Max and I have had a lot of
0: email exchanges about stuff, so we're going to talk about a bunch of things and hash mm-hmm. some things out. You know, I definitely uh, want to put a plug in here for Max's article. Um, I think he's on the Justice League in Star sure, City. Yeah. Uh, he put out one just a little while ago uh, on what judges do at events. Um, and it really is uh, eye opening for people to know just how much trash we clean up
1: yeah i think the title
0: um, of the article was dirty deeds right so look a for nice that acdc and, and reference for max and the next time that you're at, at a tournament <laughs> the next time you're at a tournament make sure you please pick up your trash because i really don't need to know what sort of italian sub you got for lunch like i'd much rather you know be watching a game and Helping people out and not just picking up your damn sandwich wrappers. And this is something I think that the judges also can help with.
1: Obviously, we're gonna pick all the stuff up, Mm -hmm. but do do frequent trash sweeps and make sure the the, the play area is pristine because
0: mm-hmm. the players will notice that and they'll appreciate it. Well, And we can even threaten players with this too. Well, let's not because, threaten Well, people. no, we can though because it's actually something that's cited in the uh, MIPG under unsporting conduct minor is if they leave a bunch of trash there. It's one of the examples. If they leave a bunch of trash on the tables. We can cite them for unsporting I, conduct minor. Sean, I prefer to be proactive Keep the area clean, and the players will note, note that, and they'll want to keep it clean. Well, see, uh, I've done enough of trash pickup here that I, sometimes I feel like the more I pick it up, the more players expect me to pick it up. Well, I, I've experienced the complete opposite Okay, from,
1: I can tell you that when I'm picking trash up, players will often be like, oh, yeah, that's mine, sorry,
0: and, okay. and
1: pick it up. Okay. And,
0: well, then hopefully hopefully I'll do mine and you'll do yours, and at the same time, they'll both work. Okay. Um,
1: the, other, the other thing about Indianapolis I wanted to say is that you're going to see Nathan and Tiffany Young, which mm. is really cool. And this is one of the things I love about judging. This is actually when I thought about going to this event, I contacted Nicholas Sabin, the Star City Games event manager. Yes, sir. And Thanks I said... Sabin. Hey, Nicholas, I'm thinking of uh, coming out to Indy in March. Can you shoot me the tentative uh, staff list? Because mm-hmm. I kind of want to see who I might run into. Yeah. He shipped that to me, and, and Max was on there. And I was kind of like, Max, you know, traveling all over the place. Because he came down to the LA one in January,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then he was at San Diego. He was at Oakland and San Diego. Yeah. He's, he's everywhere. Mm-hmm. He's on a warpath. But also Nathan and Tiffany, they're from uh, Toledo, Ohio. Well, that's kind of close to Indianapolis. Yeah. Okay. And I have um, you know, worked with them at three previous Grand Prix's in 2009. I think the first one was Boston and then Tampa Bay and Minneapolis. Hmm. And so I've gotten to know them really well. They're a married couple. and just I, I love the fact that they're a married couple that judges together.
0: Right, right. Yeah, I'm not going to get my wife to become a judge anytime soon. Hey, I that's think fine. <laughs> <laughs> she's she's happy just you know getting to go around the world. Hopefully, mm-hmm. um, kind of on the coattails of judging. We'll see if that actually
1: happens. So. But you know, as I always say, seeing friends as part of the DCI family, and then in this case, very literally a family mm-hmm. that works together, is one of the, the great things about the program.
0: Yeah, well, and that's that's actually you know there, there are a few. Judging couples out there. I mean, we mentioned Peter and Ingrid. Yes. Also, um, they, uh, a huge shout out this weekend. I think Sunday, mm-hmm. um,
1: Nick Fong mm-hmm. and Karen, Dege- Deji. Deggie. I don't know. Mm. Again, I'm mispronouncing names, <laughs> uh, but Nick and Karen, Nick is, you know, very familiar to Pro Tour players because he mm-hmm. score keeps many of the Pro Tours and Grand Prix, Right. Is score one, of, one of the fastest 10 keys right. west of the Mississippi. Um, and then Karen is a Level 2 judge. Nick Nick is also a Level 3 judge. And then Karen's a Level 2 judge, um, I believe from Colorado, but obviously now is going to be moving, because the big thing here is that they are getting married this Sunday. Oh, wow. That's fantastic. Yeah.
0: Great. Well, good, so, yeah. Another another power couple is born. <laughs> right this this time, their offspring will be amazing with the ten k <laughs> That's right. We have no more lost rounds of grand Prixs or no more you know, no fantastic scorekeeping skills. I'm sure. So, congratulations to Nick and Karen. Mm. Well,
1: are we done? Because I'm kind of hungry. You're kind of hungry. Well, we're only at
0: 45 minutes here. We can but, keep it a little short. I think we Was can there a something short? else you wanted to talk about? Well, I do want to talk about getting people to email us because I'm very happy to answer those email questions. Mm-hmm. Um, and we do want to mention that as we get questions in via email, if it's an easy question for us to answer pretty quick, we actually give you an email answer back. Um, so that way, you know, you're not left hanging for a week or... You know, week and a half while we were busy recording and then waiting for this it episode to go week. up. Yeah. You know, so, and when, so when Sean
1: says "we," he really means me in terms of him. <laughs> like, cause I don't, I don't do anything here. Well, you
0: started Gmail. checking. You've started checking the G, the Gmail. Gmail. I, I've been
1: looking. I actually did send one single message. Mm-hmm. I, I was looking through the inbox, and a couple of weeks ago, I think someone had emailed us, and it was a, I think. Jeremy or Jeremiah Granat? Yeah, from Switzerland. From Switzerland. Yeah, he just made L2. Exactly. So I just shot him a quick reply saying, hey, congrats on L2.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he's uh, one of those that's listening to us from halfway around the world. Um, And we've got, you know, glad to know we've got listeners on the other halfway around the other direction. And, yeah, very, very cool to to know that those folks are listening. And very happy to see your emails come in. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: so Sean is very busy and diligent answering all the emails. Thank you, Sean.
0: Well, like, you're welcome. <laughs> so, I guess we're looking forward to more questions, more rules questions. And also, as we wrap this episode up a little early, wanted to let you know that if you, oh, I don't know, own a store somewhere or want to sponsor us somehow, um, let us know because, you know, we'd be happy to. Mention your name on the air here. Your ad here. Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> I mean, at the same time, I, I kind of feel a little awkward about this. In fact, in the comments on the posts for Mana Nation and for MTGcast, hmm. where we post this, if you could tell us a little bit, you know, because I, th- I see there as a, a sort of a conflict here where because we're judges, mm-hmm. you know, we want to be giving pretty direct and, and unfettered advice. And while no, you know, advertiser or sponsor is going to change that, we definitely don't want to give the impression of, you know, Mm, that you think there could be a conflict of interest, not really a conflict of interest. It would just kind of feel a little weird, I think, to put a a sponsor on this. At the same time, you know, we put a lot of time into it and energy and some money into the equipment. But but we
1: as judges write articles for
0: sites That are mostly affiliated with stores. Well that's true. And and they do get paid to do those things, Mm -hmm. I guess. Well, that's a question then. Hmm. Well maybe maybe we can talk with other judges
1: about it at our respective tournaments this weekend and Mm -hmm. get a feel for what they think. Okay. Well I actually do have one more thing.
0: Oh, one more thing.
1: I've like I said, I've been listening to other podcasts and they give stuff away. Oh, you're right. Well, that, you know, we have that some. generates more listeners, and it generates more emails.
0: Sean. Well, you know, as judges, we have some of the coolest things to give away. I think that than a lot more people do. Let's start. Let's start simple. Okay. What do you, what, what do you propose? I have, I have a bunch of packs sitting around. A bunch of packs. Where do you get these packs, Ricky? Mostly from judging. From judging. Yeah. Oh, they give you packs for judging. Sometimes. Okay. Um, so
1: I have, I, I haven't even taken stock, but I'm sure I have many, many
0: uh, packs of shards of Alara block mm-hmm. that I need to get rid of. Actually, do you have any of the draft sets from the Pro Tour left, or do you value those pretty highly? No, I just opened those. Oh no! See, we gave away the draft set that I got. Uh-huh. We gave that away to the top placing drafter at our FNM the other night. No, uh-huh. um, and that was like we actually had like. Six or seven other people come in and enter the draft because they're like, oh, that's really cool. And you guys don't know what's in that draft set? Oh, that's awesome. It's all stamped. Okay, well, you know, and for those of you who don't know, the the Pro Tour draft product is three packs where all the cards in them get stamped. And they they open the packs and then... Repackage them, right, and because so, they are taking out the foils, right, taking out the foils, the tips and tricks cards, those sorts of things, and and right. that way also you you ensure a consistent pool where you don't have that random pack missing a rare or a random pack with two rares or something like that. You get well, consistent cards. It still happens. <laughs> well, right, but yeah. So um, anyway, we gave one of those away for our top first place drafter um, at one of our F and M's here. Um, so. The next time you come across those, I think we should maybe keep those as prizes, if we're okay getting rid of them as that um, and giving them away. But I do like the idea of giving away packs. So what do we have, and what are the conditions under which we would give them these packs? I don't know, because I I forgot to count.
1: But I'm just going to say that I have, let's say I have 12 draft
0: sets of shards. That's a box. In theory. Okay. So So a a draft box set of shards of Alara. Okay, and and how do they get those? I have no idea.
1: I was hoping you you would have an idea. Oh, yeah, you're relying on me for the creative
0: ideas here. You're just funding. Well, you're the email guy, so you have to read all these. So what do you want to read? Oh, boy. Okay. I want the most interesting question you can devise. Oh. Around the card... You want someone to, you want these people to come up with a rules question. A rules question, like a almost a corner case type question, and I want it to involve my favorite card of all time. Actually, all four of my favorite cards of all time it needs to involve Planar Guide from Legions. It needs to involve Blazing Archon from Ravnica block. It needs to involve Gaia's Blessing. What? <laughs> And it needs to involve Peacekeeper. I don't even know what that one does. Peacekeeper is from visions. It's that creatures can't attack, um, and you need to pay some mana on your upkeep to keep it alive. Can I just say that you like some really sucky cards? (laughs) Okay, for those of you who don't know, Planar Guide is my uh, my screen name on pretty much any magic form that you see. I mean, if I
1: were going to name my four favorite cards, they'd be <laughs> Opposition, <laughs> Doubling Season, Experiment, Crudge, and something else. Have you
0: ever read the flavor text on Blazing Archon? It's an amazing set of no, flavor texts. It's what, the coolest flavor text does it ever. it say? Like Justice Burns or something? <sighs> I'll let you guys read it. Okay. So, okay, fine.
1: Are they really going to be
0: able to come up with a tricky rules question with these four cards? All right, fine, fine, fine. Scratch that. Instead, I'll let Ricky come up with the idea.
1: Wow. (laughs) So, all of this got thrown back onto me. Well, you didn't like my idea. Okay. Fine, yeah, no, I veto, and then I have to come up with something. Exactly. the, The restaurant rule. Right, right. Okay, how about this? Our first giveaway question is come up with the next giveaway question.
0: <laughs> that, how is that? That's totally uh, That's awesome. metagaming. Okay, okay, okay. So, in order to get a draft set from you, a draft box, or no, what are we doing? Well, we're Just not giving away a whole set. box to one okay. person here. We're going to give we one draft set at a time. We want 12 giveaway questions. So, we're going to give away 12 draft sets. So each person
1: who responds gets a No, 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 because we're going to get more than 12
0: responses, just the 12 questions that we use. And we will notify you via email. We need addresses and all sorts of other information. But send us those good questions for how we should give away prizes to you all for listening to us and asking good questions or that sort of thing. Sound good? Okay, so let's clarify.
1: Oh, boy. Okay we are soliciting quite interesting questions right that we can ask to listeners to get responses
0: right so <laughs> we're asking questions this is awesome four questions <laughs> so okay this sounds like it's going to blow up in our faces i think
1: no let's just run with
0: it okay we'll so run with it. it's all, it's, your, it's your box so for this question the best one just one well, no, I think the best 12 and then we're set we and then we start asking responses? those 12. I think so. Okay. I think so. So, the
1: top 12 responses or you know, however many we get, will each get a maximum of 12, a maximum of 12. We'll each win a shards of alara draft set.
0: Now, shards of alara draft set you mean one of each of each yeah, of the yeah. okay.
1: shards, shards of alara, Conflux, Alara Reborn.
0: Okay, fantastic. Well, hopefully people will actually give us some good material then. Yeah, hopefully people can figure out what we're asking for. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. If you've you've slogged through this much confusion, hopefully. I'm confused. You know, we're but asking, it could be awesome. It could be really awesome. Okay. And
1: yeah, this is open to everyone. Like I want I want these questions to not be something that, you know, only judges can respond right. to or only no, players. No
0: humility plus opalescence. We're over that. None of that stuff. Um, things that are corner cases, ah, uh, maybe. Maybe corner cases. But really what we're looking for is questions that we can ask. More and more fun yeah. things. Fun things, yeah. And also don't just limit it to card interactions. You know, Talk about people interactions because that's what magic is. Does it even have to be about judging and magic? Well, I mean... I guess. I don't want this to turn into where in the world is Carmen San Diego, but sure. Why not? I did you
1: did you hear about the Carmen San Diego thing? No. So up in Seattle, like Leash I think Lee Sharp, Max McCall, and some other people, like maybe like Zach Hill, mm-hmm. went to karaoke and then they sang the <laughs> acapello, Where in the world is Carmen San Diego from the T V show. Fantastic.
0: Yeah. Fantastic. Well... I can't remember if there was a video or not, but I hope there is somewhere. Right. Well, you know, there was the Barbershop Quartet at Pro Tour San Diego. Yeah. And I was uh, bantering this idea with uh, one of the... The, the media, Thundercats. One of the media was guys was... Yeah, one of the media guys there was saying, oh, this is great. Isn't it awesome to have a you know this unique singing group here? And I thought, well, wait. There's Eric Levine, and there's Michael Sohn, and... Oh, wow. We could get a judge's quartet together. Now, of course, I would not be part of that because I don't have a singing voice for it, if anything. But I'm sure there's some other judges out there that can get together at some pro tour and, and work something out. Wow. That would be pretty awesome. Okay, just putting that out there. And if you'd like to put a question out to us, email judgecast at gmail.com. That's also if you want to uh, rise to this crazy convoluted challenge that we put out there in which you could get a draft set of Shards of Lara block. Yeah. Now I have to go home and make sure I have enough. <laughs>
1: right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, these are Zendikar packs. Awkward. Yeah, that would be kind of awkward. Well, I do have Zendikar packs, but I want to get rid of my back stock first, and then we'll get to totally. the, yeah. the newer stuff. And eventually, maybe if there's like a really, really hot question
0: someone sends us... Mm-hmm. That giveaway could be some judge foils, perhaps. Oh, I think eventually we should we should get up to that. I've got, in my trade here, uh, now that I have my, my sets of foil fetches, I mm. have one extra delta and one extra flooded strand. That trade is- me. <laughs> <laughs> trade you for a Phyrexian Dreadnought. Ooh, deal. Okay. <laughs> I have okay. to go get them first. I have to get mine, too, um, my trade stuff. Anyway, with that, folks thank you for listening keeping it fair I'm Sean Katanese and I'm Ricky Hayashi I keep it fun obviously obviously (laughs) thanks for listening